that, and I want to repeat a couple of things that have already been said, but I want to say God bless you to April and, and Phil, Phil and April over there to my right, your left, long-time faithful members of First Assembly, removed to Arkadelphia, and uh, trusting God's blessing, continued blessing on their family. We appreciate them coming back and visiting with us here today. Um, I want to say a special God bless you again, as JoJo's mentioned, visitors, we would like if you are a first or second time visitor, you've never filled out a visitor card or written a big check to the church, we'd really like for you to do so. <laughs> Today would be the day. But there is a, uh, a card in the seat in front of you, and if you would fill one out, it would let us have a record of your visit. But let me mention that, you know, since the, the COVID and everything, so we don't pass the plate, we do have an offering container that's secure out in the in the foyer, but we, so many people have gone online and giving, and that's at HebrewFirst.com. We want to thank each of you for your faithfulness and giving to God. And before I get to the word today, I want to say a special God bless you to JoJo and Jace the last couple of weeks preaching in my absence, and um, then certainly Shane. And this is our staff, and Aaron and Chelsea, and collectively, and the, the spouses of our, our staff members. The thing that I want to brag on all of those guys and gals real quickly, it's not their abilities, because their abilities are great, and I think you see those through their ministry, but it's the fact that they are such close friends, and they have developed such a communion, um, especially Jason and Katie being folded in later, a little bit later. The others have known each other for a long, long time, but uh, Jason and Katie being uh, Johnny-come-lately, people and uh, got folded into that this group and to see them interact with each other with such camaraderie um, and it it's it's a great feeling for me being their pastor and being their spiritual father it's like when your kids get along come on now that's a great moment that's how come I have so much hair it's because my children get along and my church family gets along and so I, I just want to thank you. I, I have, I feel nervous today to preach. You know, it's, I preached before the Christmas service, which was the 20th, I think it was, of December, and then contracted COVID on the uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, kind of, you know, certainly was down from that. People have asked me, Pastor, did you just smoke? No, I was actually down quite a bit. I'm not trying to make this about that moment, but I, it was the sickest I'd been in a long time. And um, so I am a little short of breath, and so uh, I will preach a little bit differently today. So y'all got to bear with me in this. But also, I can concur with some of the things that have already been said, and I have a message that's going to be directly in response to some of the things that we are all dealing with. And I don't want to say as a nation, because I didn't come here today to address the nation. I came to address the people that are first assembly of God. Came to just bring you a word that... I believe God has given me, it's helped me. Jace's final words of his exhortation before prayer was that if you worship, you can experience a change of perspective. You believe that today? I believe that. That's where I found myself. I needed something from God. And so I'm going to bring you a message. I didn't tell you the title of my message yesterday on the phone tree, but this is it. It's the pastor's perspective. That's what God has done in my heart in the last few weeks, and I thank him for it, and I want to share with you what I mean. If you'll be patient with me, I think that you'll appreciate the direction that I take you in this message today. So would y'all just pray with me for a moment? You can remain seated. Let's ask the Lord to help.
the pastor today to give him strength. Father, I love you and I'm grateful today for a privileged opportunity to speak to this beautiful congregation that I'm so proud. The men and women that have been on this journey with Sherry and I for 17, now 18 years are my family. And God, at the same time, you keep bringing new folks into our family of faith and friendship and fellowship and stretching us, helping us to be more encompassing and, and, and welcoming to men and women. So God, I'm so grateful for every person, whether they're listening online, uh, Father, or watching online, or they're here in person today. Thank you, Father. Prepare their hearts to receive the engrafted word of God. Lord, it's been prayed already, let preaching come easy in this house today, and I truly need that today. I need to be able to preach with the clarity of thought, mind. God, I've prayed this privately. People won't understand it, but some speakers will, God. I pray, Father, you would give me the tongue of the learned today, God, that I would have a word in season for he that is weary. In Jesus' name, and everyone said amen and amen. So in saying that today, my preaching style may differ just a little bit today than normal. I want to speak, and I don't want to hide anything. I don't want to pretend. I'm not a pretender. I've never been somebody that's a pretender. The events of the last few weeks, beginning at the night of the election till today, have left many of us perplexed and even discouraged. Not all. I'll address that in a moment here. Um, frustrated. Some have even grown outraged, and some have grown ashamed. Here's the reality of the people that I preach to for the majority. The overwhelming majority of the people that are a part of First Assembly of God hold to conservative views politically. I try to talk about these things with an openness. Unfortunately, some churches feel like they can't talk about We We talk about the division that's taking place in America how the rift has grown so great. We talk about it, even how it affects the church. We're going to, especially this week as we continue our study in Corinthians. So the reality is, for me personally, this, there certainly may be those of differing viewpoints politically, but the reality is the overwhelming majority that I preach to and interact with here at Hebrew First Assembly hold to the conservative viewpoint politically as I do, so I'm speaking to you today. I'm speaking to you. So I want you to hear what I believe God's given me in my heart of hearts. I'm going to drop some bullet statements on you today, and then we're going to affirm some of these with a biblical perspective. What I have found in my walk with God, and I've been walking with Christ since I was eight years old. Now, I don't mean that I was, when I was in high school, that I had a glow about me or anything like that. But I am, say I, ha I am saying that I had authentic faith in God, and I knew there was some measure of a call upon my life at the earliest of ages. And so I have, I, I have learned that God speaks to me through his word. I believe in prophetic voices, I, but obviously prophetic voices can go amiss at times. Hello, somebody. But the word does not go amiss. So I found many years ago that rather than waiting on a prophet to prophesy something in my life or future, that if I'll just stick to what the Word says, and God can speak to me from the Word. And that's what's happened here today. I'm going to make this first bullet statement. It says simply this, this is where we are. So I want you to just, this is where we are. I want to show you something real quickly. 
Um, in the book of Ezra, so again, my preaching style is going to differ today because I'm going to take you to about four different passages. I normally don't do that, but I am today. I want to give you the brief context for just a moment. This was during the days of what's called the Babylonian captivity or the exile. The children of Israel have been allowed after being in captivity for 70 years. They were, uh, and they, they were brought into captivity because of apostasy and idolatry and their pagan lifestyles. And God brought upon the people that he had called out of Egypt to be his own. He had brought judgment through the means of the northern, uh, northern kingdom called Babylon. Where Nebuchadnezzar and his army had taken the people captive, brought many of them to, uh, back to um, Babylon. And then... After the kingdom of Babylon passed into the hands of the Persians, they, uh, they authorized the Israelites to return to their homeland and go about be building back the, the city of Jerusalem. Again, annexed, if you will, to the Babylonians or underneath their rule. And that's kind of a story. Many of you are familiar with that. You see, familiar with that story. It's uh, kind of recorded in the book of Nehemiah and the book of Ezra. Ezra is a priest. And so Ezra, when he arrives, he is a part of a reformation in the temple. Nehemiah is a governor. We're not dealing with rebuilding the walls. But something happened. Nehemiah's come back from Babylon where he had gained his, his training. Uh, and now he's here in Israel and he's reordering the temple. But I want you to see something just real quickly. Let's see this. It's only four verses and then we'll read a fifth in a moment. Four, verses one through four says, Now when these things were done... The princes came to me. Now, that's, that's Ezra speaking. And the princes said, look at this. He said, the people of Israel and the priests and the Levites have not separated themselves from the people of the land, doing according to their abominations, even of the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Perizzites, the Jebusites, the Ammonites, the Moabites. The Egyptians kind of stand out here, don't they, from the Amorites? Like, we'll just throw the Egyptians in amongst all the ites. And for they have taken of their daughters for themselves and for their sons, which the children of Israel, many of you may know, were strictly forbidden, according to the Mosaic law, from intermarrying. God was protecting the bloodline of the children of Israel. It said, and so that the holy seed have mingled themselves with the people of those lands. Yea, the hand of the princes and the rulers have been chief in this trespass. Why is this so important? The reason why I'm mentioning this, that was partially what led to the original exile. The very thing that caused them to lose their homeland and suffer the judgment of God, when God's goodness brought them back to the land, they fell right into the very same lifestyle as their forefathers that caused them to be taken into captivity. But it's not, that's not really where I'm preaching today. It's Ezra's response, because this is where we are, third verse. And when I heard this thing, I rent my garment, and I rent my mantle. I plucked off the hair of my head and of my beard, and, I sat, and he sat down astonished. And that's why we can't worship right now, at least to the people that hold the views that are akin to the ones that I'm talking about today. It's because you're astonished. The word astonished means that you are amazed or stupefied. You're just in this how in the world. That's where you're, not, not everybody, again, I, if you hold a different political viewpoint, obviously you feel entirely different. But to those that I preach to more commonly, this is where I found myself. 
I've been astonished. Fourth verse. Then was assembled unto me every one that trembled at the words of the God of Israel because of the transgression of those that had been carried away. And Nehemiah, or excuse me, Ezra said, I just sat down. I just sat down astonished. He had plucked his beard, pulled his hair of his own head out, and then ripped his garment, and he sat down astonished. And that's, I'm just, I, I examined my own self, and I said, since that time, I have found myself astonished. And, you know, I believed in uh, the potential for continued economic reform and religious liberty and a supporter of the First and Second Amendment rights and right to life and national sovereignty and some of the things that many, that many in the conservative party pursue. And then to see such a major shift that would cause the, you know, to go from both sides of both the Congress and the Senate and also the presidential office, if you hold to that particular viewpoint, I'm going to say most of you are akin to where I was at, and that was I was astonished. But if you're not careful, you'll go from astonishment to where Ezra spoke in the fifth verse. And at the evening sacrifice, let's look at this real quickly, I rose up from my heaviness. So it went from a astonishment to a heaviness. And that's where I see uh, three to four or five weeks ago or when the election first uh, finished, I found myself astonished. But I'm going to be honest, as things progressed, I found myself a heaviness. I just was like losing my joy. And I just said, you know what, I can't be this way. I can't be this way. I've got to shake some things off. If it's like Samson of old, I've got to be able to shake off the, the things that are coming against me. And if you take the time on your own to read verses 5 through 15, the ninth chapter of the book of Ezra, you can see that one of the things that Ezra did is that he rose up. So number two, listen very carefully. If, you're, if this is bearing witness to you today, you cannot stay astonished forever. You can't. You just got to find a way. You got to find a way. Nehemiah went to the temple. Nehemiah prayed. Nehemiah rose up. So it says in that verse number five, it says, Nehemiah rose up from my heaviness. So somehow or another, you got to rise up. You got you to break through. You got to get the perspective. You got to have a change. And so th that's where I'm at. I said, God, you got to help me gain some perspective. The word perspective is Latin and it means to see. So I've, but we use it more than just seeing. We use it in almost like I'm seeing, but I've got a peace about what's happening. I might not can control everything. I might not, it, my, the things that I desire, my will is not being done. And I don't like it when my will is not being done. But that's not how I'm taught to pray. I'm taught to pray, God, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. So I have to rise up and so do you. Nehemiah went to prayer, gained some perspective, and then began uh, gained a course of action. So I'm going to share some things that helped me to face some things that I didn't like facing, but it was a reality check for me personally. Number three today, you may not like hearing this, but my job is to tell you that I believe the Lord laid these on my heart. At least for me personally, whether or not my pastor's perspective or your pastor's perspective becomes your perspective, I cannot say. We're going to have to face this truth. Many in our nation today do not share our values. Nor do they share our belief in the providential hand of God that formed this nation. They don't hold the same sense of value. You and I read and we read about uh, Washington crossing the Delaware as the fog gave him cover. We read about the, uh, the prayer at Valley Forge. We read about God's sovereignty upon the nation. And it inspires us. But many read those same accounts. 
or perhaps twisted, perverted accounts, and they don't hold the same value that you and I do today. They don't share in this original dream of the first settlers, a nation of religious liberty. Many in our culture today, they desire a nation free from religion. Not a nation of religious freedom, but a nation of, that's free from religion. Liberty to many, here's what liberty on both sides, Republican or Democrat, to many, or excuse me, uh, liberty is unbridled lust. Do whatever want you want that you desire. It's a carnal desires. It's gratified in sexual immorality. That's what liberty is to many. Debauchery, lasciviousness, King James words. You got to look it up in your concordance, but you will. It'll help you. Witchcraft, gaming, entertainment, love for money, right to terminate pregnancy. And here's the reality, and that is, is that to be a Republican does not make one righteous before God. There's a lot of heathen folk that's, uh, that, that, that's under the red side of this argument, right? I'll preach it anyhow because it's true. Number four, I put it first as a statement, then I changed it to a question. Are we as the Christian church asking immoral people to share our morality? And I know that sometimes we, we feel like, yes, we are salt and light and we want to influence the world. We do. Jesus said you have to be careful because if you cast that which is holy before the swine, they will turn and rend you with it. We may be seeing some of that take place in our own life. You and I, we hold a worldview that is drawn from a word view, right? But the world itself has a worldview that's drawn from a secular mindset that is independent upon the God of Israel, has no knowledge of, takes no awareness, is not trying to shape their life according to a biblical worldview. We have to face some of the reality. Another reality is this. Jesus told us, number five, Jesus simply, he told us to expect this. What? Let me show you another verse of Scripture that I think will help you. It helped me. And it's helped people as this political con conflict has raged for many, many years. Jesus taught a parable. Matthew chapter 13, he taught several parables. And it, can I have just a little more monitor volume for a little bit? Because if I get too loud today, it won't be long and I'll be hoarse up here, whispering the end of my sermon. And I've got to make sure I temper myself not to get too loud. And it's my nature to preach loud. And so you can see how I've influenced these other guys, positive or negative, in one way. Um, in Matthew, though, Jesus actually taught uh, multiple parables, but one of which is called the parable of the wheat and the tares. Anybody remember that? I want to I note that for real quickly because in the parable, it's, it's about, a, it's about a, a householder that owns a field, and the servants of the householder go out and they plow the garden, sow seed, whatever, plow the field, and, and the, it comes up, it's beautiful and everything, and, but then it says, but an enemy came in, night and sowed tares amongst the wheat and so the the when, when they got up after a period of time and they noticed that amongst their field was both wheat and y'all know what tares are don't you t-a-r-e in the king james which simply means a thicket or prickly things i started to call this message today it's a prickly situation briars uh all of that and it is a prickly situation isn't it that we're living in today it is it is you find yourself and so I want you to see something for a moment. So many of the servants of the householder said, we're going to just have to go out there and we're going to have to tear these tears out of the wheat. But then the householder responded and said, no, we can't do that. 
Because if we do, how many know it's easy for us to want to be the judge? It's a good thing I'm not. And so at the same time, but you know what? God is the judge. And God is gracious. Hello now. He's merciful. He's kind. He said he will make his rain to fall on. We could add some political terms in there. He makes it to fall on left and right. Right? God's just kind and loving and merciful. And so here in this path, look what he said. But let both grow together. So you and I have to expect the contention that we're living. It's been all around the world up until this time anyhow. The church trying to influence the nation. The difference is, as we're living, we are blessed enough that we're a part of one of the world's youngest nations, the nation of America. And so with that said, that we are now seeing them grow together. What originally was a field sown with good seed, there's a lot of tares amongst the wheat. Once again, on both sides of the voting booth. And so I don't know what, I, don't, I wrote it this way, and I don't know whether or not you, you, you want to hear this, but I'm going to tell you it's my conviction. I don't know that you and I can expect one nation under God. Notice that, one nation. The nation is divided, yes, liberal, conservative, socialist, capitalist, Republican, Democrat. But more than that, more than that, we are actually divided righteous and unrighteous. Light and darkness has nothing to do with political affiliation. You're either a child of God or you're a child of the devil. Jesus said you're weed and tear, but God in his sovereign grace allows both to grow together. So the growth of the tares reminds us, even with the best intentions, and I believe not all of the founding fathers and the, 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 the original settlers of America, are obviously all did not have the best intention, but many did. And that was to be a nation of life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. In God we trust. The growth of the tares reminds us that they're going to be ever-present amongst the wheat. And you and I have to acknowledge that. Because I didn't say it, Jesus said it. Number six today, so what's going to help your perspective? Go back to your first love. Come on now, I feel Jesus right there. I may feel my preacher a little bit. Let's read a passage, Matthew chapter number 22. Matthew chapter number 22, Jesus' enemies. How many know Jesus said, it's okay to have enemies? And we often say, well, my enemy's the devil. My, well, Jesus had enemies because if you read that, they're the enemies of Christ. Tell us, therefore, they came to him to catch him. What thinkest thou? They took a denarius, a Roman coin, and they said, is it lawful to give tribute unto Caesar or not? Is it and so, let's read this on down. So Jesus perceived, there's perception, their wickedness. And he said, I'll tell you what, you need spiritual perception, don't you? Lord, give me the perception of Jesus. He saw their intent. Why do you tempt me, you hypocrites? Show me the tribute money. And they brought him a penny, it says here. We know that in actuality, a newer... Uh, translation might say a denarius, a Roman coin. And Jesus then asked them the question, whose is this image and superscription? So there was a description of uh, the Roman Caesar on the denarius. And so they, they said unto him, well, it's Caesar's. And then notice Jesus' words, because this will help you as it helped me. Then saith he unto them, render therefore unto Caesar the things which are Caesar's. And unto God the things that are God's. 
Let me clarify why I'm, what I mean by this and why I want to share with you why I think that's important. First of all, as a Christian, I will not forsake my civic or civil responsibility. I will do my duty. My, just to put note, not that I'm trying to say, please look at Pastor Brown, but I am going to, as the Apostle Paul did, argued his credentials in 2 Corinthians to those that did not believe in his apostleship. My father is here today. He is a veteran. I'm a veteran of the United States Air Force. I saw a lot of people posting over the last, you know, about people that raised their hand. I raised my hand three times. We have a lot of veterans that are in our, in our service today, and we honor every one of them for their faithful service to this nation. Sherry and I have three sons, one in the Navy, one in the Army, and one in the Air Force right now. So we are a family with patriotic virtue, and we at the same time want to do our civic duty. But as a believer, let me tell you this, my first affection, uh, affection is to God. My first love is to Him. I'm to love Him with all my heart, all my soul, all my mind, and all my strength. And then to learn my, love my neighbor as my... The, I'm to give God my all in all. Aren't we called to give God everything? Everything, every part of my being. What I have to decide is, and I can't do this. I wrote it this way, I, you, and we. I have to decide, you have to decide, we have to decide, how much can I give Caesar? I know how much God demands. He demands all. Every thought, every imagination, every word, every emotion, every feeling, how I feel, where I look, my outlook, my worldview, how I treat my wife, how I might treat uh, someone with an opposing Political viewpoint as mine. I've got to honor God in everything that I do. The world doesn't hold that conviction. But irregardless of how they respond, I'm still governed by the power of the Holy Spirit and biblical convictions because my first commitment is to Him. At the same time, I've got to decide how much can I give Caesar because Caesar needs something from me as well. Caesar needs something from you. I'm not here in any capacity advocating that the church pulls away from our civic responsibility. If anything, God forbid that we do that. Let's be more involved than ever. But at the same time, I've got to decide God is the only one that gets my all in all. Let me go a little bit farther than that to help you explain or to help me explain. Many years ago, some of you may have not known this, but I actually ran for public office. Actually, I'm 0 for 2. <laughs> I ran for the school board at Shirley. I didn't know that it was wrong to say vote Pastor Brown on the church sign out front. And I did that too. I said, you know, you're driving down the mountain and said vote Pastor Brown. I didn't know that that was, you know, against the political laws and all that stuff. So I was, I, I was 0 for 1 there. So many years ago, I think it was about 2010, I decided to run for state legislator. And um, so I paid out of my own pocket uh, $3,000. I mean, no, that's a lot of money. There's a part of me that wished I had that $3,000 back. However, however, the lesson that I gained to help change my perspective was worth every penny of it. Because I, 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 I signed up, I did everything. I didn't anticipate that I would have an opponent in the primary, so I did. That changed the dynamic. So we, I had to go down and I had to go through a training 
at the Presidential Hotel in Little Rock. It was an all-day Saturday training. Sherry accompanied me. We were in class, and this was only for the Republican Party, which was what I was running, that was, I was running on their ticket. And we were there all day. And as we went through the events of that training, my heart was sinking further and further and further. We got out to the car, and I turned to Sister Sherry, and I said this. I said, Sherry, I cannot pay the price that they're asking I can't. They're asking more than what I can pay for. They're asking more than I can give. And here's the reason why. My first commitment was to the kingdom, not to the nation. And it forced me to make a change. So I became the only politician in the history of the world that turned away uh, election contributions. I was going to withdraw from the election race, and someone said, no, don't do that, because if you do, then that could be used against you later if you want to go another round at a later tight in time. So I just let it play out, let my name run on the ticket, but I never stumped, you know, I never stumped. I, didn't, I did it one time, and that was enough for me, and I just knew that that was not, that was the price I couldn't pay. But the price was being asked by not the, uh, it wasn't being asked by the political system as a whole. That was a price being asked to be paid by the Republican Party. They were asking me to pay. So what I'm telling you is this today. You have to find your place. I had to find mine. For me, I had to be more kingdom-driven than to be nation-driven, just to be honest. Now, some of you believe that's one and the same. Sometimes it might be, but it's not always. And so I can say this. I can't decide for you, and I'm not trying to in any capacity. But for me to gain perspective, you know what I have to do? I have to return to my first love. I have to return to my first love, and I have to do what I know to do. That's the one thing I've always encouraged people when I say, Pastor, I don't know what to do. Well, when you don't know what to do, then you've got to do what you know to do. And you know what I know to do? I know to love people in the name of Jesus. I know to preach the truth of the gospel. I know to get in the word of God and hide his word in my heart so that I won't sin against him. I know to come to this house and fall in an altar and intercede when I need to intercede, but also get up with both hands outstretched towards the God of heaven and worship. Worship him with all my heart, my soul, and strength. And then to love people with a love that's born in the forges of God's fire and his love for people. That's what I know to do. That's what I'm called to do. And I encourage you. Again, I'm not trying to dictate your response. I'm just saying that in that passage of scripture, you have to decide how much you can give Caesar. Caesar can disappoint you. I mean, no, God won't disappoint you. Now, this one's going to hurt some of y'all's feelings. Sherry, go ahead and move the car right now. Get that side door open. It's going to hurt your feelings, but I'm going to tell you the truth. God's call to ancient Israel is not a direct parallel to America. And you're going to have to be able to see that. What do you mean? Is, uh, so it's here. It's in America is not ancient Israel. We are not ancient Israel. Israel was to be a light to lighten the Gentiles, and Israel was in divine covenant with God. Now, I'm not saying that the handiwork of God wasn't seen in the founding of this nation. I believe it was. And an atheist ought to be able to see. Maybe they can't, but they ought to be. But there's a big difference between seeing the, the handiwork of God 
in this nation and Moses coming down Mount Sinai with the law of commandments and sprinkling the blood of the covenant upon the people. It's two different things, but we fold those together. I believe, listen to this, don't you throw a stone at me, I believe wholeheartedly in the godly founding of America and the hope that was in the hearts and the minds of many of our forefathers, and it was to be a light of liberty. But let me tell you this today, the only true light in this darkened world is the church, not America. Oh, I'm going to say it again anyhow. I may not have but six people here next week, but that's all right. Four of them get paid to be here, so that's all right. At least till we run out of money. We can glean from and we can learn from ancient Israel. But the reality is, let me say it one more time, the only light in this darkened world is the church, not America. America as a whole is not in divine covenant with God. You're in divine covenant with God. You're marked by his blood. You're covered. You're his own. You're his child. You're the apple of his eye. He's got your picture on his refrigerator. Yes, you are in covenant with God. Number eight today, America (coughs) is just as immoral. I know you don't want to hear this, but it's the truth. It's just as immoral as other nations. Let's just be honest. Did you know other nations have made up ground, but as, and there's only 10 of these, so you can see I'm getting close. I'm sorry, I don't mean my cough drops, but (coughs) there's only 10 of these points. Then I've got two final sub points. They're free. Did you know, uh, as by 2006, I couldn't find as accurate of statistics because other nations is made up. Did you know that by 2006, 89% of the world's pornography was produced in America? Did you hear that? 89% of the at one time. It's now dropped. Other nations have made up ground on America. Now we're in the 60 to 80%. Amongst our Americans, there are over 20 million men and women, young adults, addicted to either alcohol or drug. 50% of all Americans 18 years and older will drink at least once a month. You know the, the, the drug manufacturing and usage. How about sexual trafficking? Did you know over 50,000 young girls will be trafficked in the United States from other countries, not just those that are taken off the streets of America and trafficked, 50,000 from India, Bangladesh, from other countries, third world countries, will be brought as goods and services to the men of the United States and perhaps the women of the United States of America and be trafficked sexually here in America. We, and we could go on and on. We're not even, I'm, just, I'm just reminding you of the reality of the tares amongst the wheat. You need to hear it. 61 plus million babies aborted since the controversial decision of Roe versus Wade, 1973. We're not even going to talk about sexual immorality, divorce, greed, covetousness, idolatry, hatred, murder, sedition. Let me say this today. The conservative cause is not going to win or save this nation. It's only the cause of Christ. That's the only thing that can save the nation and can save an individual. Number nine, this is hard. You're going to have to put this in your spirit and work this one out. You're going to have to learn. We are going to have to learn to trust the sovereignty of God. What does that mean, Pastor Brown? First of all, let me go ahead and say this. 
Just winning an election does not necessarily mean that's the best for the direction for the nation. I don't care for which side, either side. It could be either side. Or it doesn't always just mean the will of God. Just because people vote does not mean that people voted to unelect Moses. Did you know that? I know they've impeached President Trump twice. The people voted and said, we want a new leader to take us back to Egypt. And if they had had their way, that's what they would have done. And so let me say this. I know people don't like to hear this, but Hitler was the legally elected chancellor of Germany. So here's something, one passage, two verses in Daniel chapter number four, and it's about Nebuchadnezzar. Does anybody remember when I mentioned Nebuchadnezzar earlier, the Babylonian king? Well, he grew. God had used him. God called him my man. God said, I've raised him up. God had used him as a tool to bring judgment upon ancient Israel, but he grew arrogant and proud and proudful to the degree he was walking through his own palace. He looked over all of Babylon, which had the eighth one of the eight wonders of the ancient world, which was the hanging gardens of Babylon, and he accredited all to him to his own hands, his own ability. And as he said those words, a watcher from heaven, an angel of God spoke to him. And he pronounced judgment. And here's what the word came. And just notice this. While the word was in the king's mouth, there fell a voice from heaven saying, O king Nebuchadnezzar, to thee it is spoken. The kingdom is departed from thee. Verse 32. But notice this. They will drive thee from men, and thy dwelling shall be with the beasts of the field. They shall make thee to eat grass as oxen, and seven times shall pass over thee. Until what? Read this last verse. I don't like it. It bothers me at times until thou know that the Most High ruleth in the kingdom of men and he gives it to whomsoever he will. There are times I'm aggravated and frustrated because it didn't go the direction that I thought it should go. But if I'm basing my worldview on my word view, then I have to include Daniel 4 and 32. Did y'all hear that? So God is the judge, Psalm 75, 17. He puts down one and he sets up another. God's ways are not always our ways. Obviously, God has a plan, a purpose, and a strategy that even the prophets miss at times. Jace told me this week that he heard a preacher say this. We often cry in the church for a great awakening, going back to the great awakening of the late 1700s that produced a spiritual revival that actually ultimately led to to the revolution. The preacher said this. He said, maybe we've got to have a rude awakening before we have a great awakening. All I know is this. I'm not sovereign. My will is not, but God's is. And that's our prayer, and that's what we have to do as we say, God, we've got to trust the sovereignty of God. Does that help anybody? It helped me in my perspective. Number 10. Then I'm going to give you my last two to close. This one actually helped me the most probably in my personal opinion. Now, not this point. Point's not very encouraging, is it? But my job is to be truthful. You can now change the banner behind the speaker, and it can go from red to blue. And you can stand up there and say, it's time for us all to unify, which were words that have not been spoken for the last four years. Hello. However, my personal opinion, it's not going to unify. I don't care whether it's Republican or Democrat. The rift has grown so great it doesn't matter who sits in those seats. The worldviews have become so polar opposite. The rift has... I didn't say that we can't be peaceable to each other. 
Hello, we can do that. But unify, I cannot say. Here's what, Pat, the day after the election, I think I shared with this privately, maybe Wednesday night. But again, as I sat on my front porch, like Ezra, astonished, the Lord directed my thoughts to 1 Kings chapter 12. Why is it important that you gain your perspective, the right perspective? I want to make sure I'm on the right side of where God's at. Donning a bison helmet and going into the, the, the Capitol building in the way and the means as a few, as a few people did, certainly the overwhelming 99% of the people that were there last week were peaceful, had a conviction in their heart, were frustrated, had a right to, to but, but uh, unfortunately, the actions of a few, hello, right, have cast, at least with the, the challenge of the media today, the, the, the image has been cast, unfortunately, that all, if you were a Trump supporter, you're all like that, and that's, that's unfortunate. But you want to guard yourself, and you want to guard your perspective, because you don't want to find yourself doing something in the heat of the moment that you might later have remorse that you can't get back, right? Now, there could come a moment, I'm a, I, I said, will we ever, people used to ask, will there ever be a civil, I don't know, we're in a, what they call a cold civil war right now. We're in a cyber civil war right now, aren't we? Will there ever be a civil war that people take up arms again in America like they did in the mid 18th? I sure hope not and pray not because there's no winner on the, when that happens. Right? But here's a passage that helped me. Here's a passage that helped me. I don't know if it'll help you. I, won't, I can't give you all the context here. But this is when the kingdom of Israel and Judah divided. And y'all have heard me talk about it. Ten tribes upon the death of Solomon were allotted to a man named Jeroboam. Two tribes were given to the son of Solomon, Rehoboam. You've got to read that out on your own. I don't have time to develop it for today's message. But when Rehoboam saw the land divide, or the people divide, Rehoboam went back to Jerusalem. He was going to gather an army, and he said, this thing is on. Rehoboam said, I'm going to go, and we're going to storm up into those northern tribes, and we're going to, this is going to be a civil war, but at the end of the day, we're going to win this battle. Notice what God's word to him through the prophet was. Thus saith the Lord, verse 24, you shall not go up nor fight against your brethren, the children of Israel. Return every man to his house. These words right here, for this thing is for me. And they hearkened, therefore, to the word of the Lord and returned to depart according to the word of the Lord. When I sat down astonished, praying for God's perspective, that passage of Scripture helped my heart. God allowed the division of the land for his sovereign purposes. My prayer is that the civil divide will somehow be peaceful and that God's sovereign purposes will be fulfilled. Because I do believe God's sovereign purposes will work all things out, come on, for his good or for our good and his glory. I do believe that. So where am I at and what I'm going to leave you with today? So this is going to sound, this is not a Joel Osteen preaching moment. But to gain perspective, let me say this to you. You got to still live your life. 
you got to get up and live your life. you still got to kiss your kids if you got babies at home. And when they, if you don't and they come to see you, you got to kiss them too. Right? Jace already said that. I had to run some of mine down. I still do it to this day. Right? And hug on them, love on them, and slobber on them. you got to get up in the morning. The Bible says that his tender mercies are renewed every morning. You know who said those words? You know who said those words? That God's tender mercies are renewed every morning. And he said this, great is thy faithfulness. The weeping prophet Jeremiah, when he witnessed with his own eyes the kingdom of Nebuchadnezzar ravaged the city. And he gained his perspective. And he said, despite everything, God's tender mercies are renewed every morning. And great is God's faithfulness. So as I close this message, here's the two freebies that I wanted to put in here. It's a couple passages of Scripture. As I say, live your life. Live your life, but live it in all godliness. Let's read this passage here in 1 Timothy. This always helps me. I exhort, therefore, that first assembly of God, Heber Springs, continue. Isn't that what it says? Supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men. For kings... And for all those that are in authority, even those that I disagree with. That's the worst, most reluctant amen I've ever had. Now, you know I told you about a psalm that you can pray, right? I told you you can sneak one in there when you need to. But that, here's your prayer. This is my prayer. Nothing's changed. I don't care Republican. I don't care Democrat. I have a son that's libertarian, Right, he would rather go that route. And so I don't care who's there in this sense. My job's to pray that you and I can live a quiet and a peaceable life in all godliness. That you can still have a birthday party for your children, right? That you can still have a future, that you can still have a retirement one day. All those things, that's our prayer. That's why we pray. We ask for why that's good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior. You know what? I shook it off. You know what I said to Sister Sherry? I said, I'm buying a boat. I'm going to be like the Apostle Peter. Apostle Peter, when he didn't know what he said, I'm going fishing. I said, well, bless the Lord, Sherry. We're going fishing. Come on now. I don't want my joy being stolen from me. I want to get up and say, God, you know why? Because, again, I'm praying that all men are saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. Verse 5, for there's one God and one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus. Verse number 6, I love this who gave himself a ransom for all to be testified in due time. It's due time somebody needs to testify about Jesus. Stand up with me, number 12. Number 12 is this real quickly, live out your purpose. you got to live it out. You say, Pastor, what's my purpose? We say, well, I'm a father, I'm a mother, I'm a worker, I'm a teacher, uh, I have a farm, I work at the factory. What, uh, let me tell you what your purpose is. That's your occupation. That's not your purpose. Here's your purpose. I'm going to give it to you right now. Listen. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Oh, Lord, the altars are open right now. Come on, Jesus. Lord, help us. Help the preacher today. Back up. You went too fast, Lord, on that one. They got to look at I want them to read that one deeply in their heart and mind. Do all things without murmurings and disputings. God, doesn't God guard our heart? God does. Again, we can't say the things the world can say. Right? They can say and have no censorship and get by with it in this wicked, un ungodly culture, but we are accountable to God. So we got to do all things without murmuring and disputings because we honor God. But look at verse 15, because you want to be blameless and harmless. The sons slash and daughters of God, right? I'm sorry, let me go ahead and repeat that just because they passed that in the house. Let me go ahead and read that. So we're going to go ahead and say sons, fathers, daughters, mothers, men, women, 
Hello? I still call the Father what he, the Father, but that's how he chose to reveal himself. So the sons of God, don't get me there. I'll just say that I've done good so far. So I gotta say, without rebuke, in the midst of a crooked and perverse nation. Mm-mm-mm. But what's your purpose? Come on, that's what's your purpose? If you're disputing, if you're arguing, if you're complaining, if you're murmuring, if you're downcast, you will not shine as a light in the world. You will not, verse 16, that's your purpose. Holding forth, there it is, holding forth the word of life. So today, church family, I hope and pray that you can gain a new perspective. Right? You got to work out your, if I'd have went back, verse 13 says you got to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. When I had COVID and was laying there on my bed, I had a lot of time to think. Let me know sometimes that's a good thing, that you need that time. Because I'm going to say this respectfully, the last thing you want is your picture with the bison head helmet on your head. <laughs> right? right? You just don't. Yeah, I just, that ain't how I want to go down. If I'm going down, I'm going like, down like David Crockett swinging old Betsy, right, fighting for freedom. But I ain't going down with a bison helmet on my head like that because I've done something that I possibly might regret. He, that brother may not regret because have you heard this just real quickly? He's, he's not eating in jail because they're not bringing him organic food. <laughs> I guess he's like Nebuchadnezzar. He's grazing and he's like an ox. Oh, never mind. Move on. I don't care where you're from. That's funny right there. But that's what Paul said. Let's back it up and let's read it one more time to close this sermon out today. You know, we got to have some joy in our lives, don't we, church? We've got to. The enemy is trying to steal it from us. You know, let's go back and read verses 14, 15, and 16. One final time, we're going to pray. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. So live your life. Go to work tomorrow with a smile on your face and conviction in your heart. Believe and trust in the sovereignty of God. Trust in the Lord. Sometimes things, listen, if it's in our hands and it's in the hands of those that either vote or count the votes, it's always going to fail. But if it's in the hands of God, God will work. God will work. Do all things without murmuring and disputing. Verse 15, that you might be blameless and harmless, the sons of the children of God, without rebuke in the midst of a crooked and a perverse nation, which I can say that's the nation in which we dwell, among whom you shine as the lights in the world. Hold forth the word of life. I hope and pray that you gain the perspective that you honor God and your countenance. You can be like Ezra. You can get up from being astonished and say, you know what? I'm going to go forward. God's helped change my perspective. Our heads are bowed and our eyes closed today for just a few moments of time. Just a few moments of time today. We've had a powerful worship service, and I could easily bring the worship team. I'm going to believe that by next week, by Wednesday night, more and more people are going to be able to find that stirring in their spirit to say, I'm going to worship God. I'm going to worship God. It doesn't matter. It matters, but I mean, it, nothing's going to rob me. Nothing's going to rob me of giving God worship. I want to ask who will be honest with me today, just real quick. As a matter of fact, I, I, I want you to acknowledge by the upraised hand, but I'm going to keep my eyes closed. I'm not going to look because I don't want to distinguish you from the other person. But it will help you to raise your hand. Who here today can say, Pastor, I'm going to be honest. I've been like Ezra. I've been astonished. You raise, if that's you, quickly just raise. I'm not looking. I'm not looking because I, I want it to be private between you and God. But sometimes just that motion, that movement, that action. And you need the help of God. 
You need the help of God to help change your perspective, to give you his perspective. God, help us to see. Father, let's pray a prayer for the people of God. Let's pray together. Father, the people that raised their hand, confess to you today, just as I have. I've been open. I've been transparent. I've been in black as a, in my garment, but I've been transparent in my convictions before the people today, God. And God, I pray, Lord, in the name of Jesus, that you would help each one of us, God, to work out our own salvation with fear and trembling. God, I pray today in the name of Jesus that each one of us will find our perspective, will find our place, and will walk in our purpose, God, in Jesus' name. I'm going to pray, Father, if, if, if you've called us to be an intercessor, then God, just because something has changed or something didn't work out the way that we had hoped for it in the election, in this very, very important and perhaps even pivotal election, God, Father, I'm going to pray that we won't lose the spirit of intercession. We won't lose that. We won't lose our vibrancy. If you've called us to be a David and dance and worship in front of the church to inspire others, God, let us not lose, Father God, our passion for worship. If you've called us to be teachers and preachers where we study and hide our faces in the Word of God so that we'll have a word to speak to the people, God, then help us, God, to not hide ourselves in Facebook, but to hide our face in the book, God. That's my prayer today in the name of Jesus, God. If you've anointed our head with oil and our cup runs over, God, and goodness and mercy is following us all the days of our life, then, oh, God, let us dwell in the house of the Lord forever and ever and ever, God. Let us have a, a, a rejoicing about us, God, doing all things. Shane, go ahead and come back and let's go out with a song. Let's go out with the very last song that we were singing just a moment ago. The very last one. So, Father, today help every man, every woman, every boy, and every girl. God, I pray today. And God, as I preach this message, I, Father God, I opened this word up and I shared and told them that I was preaching, Father God, to a particular group of people that shared particularly close political views as myself and doing so I'm not trying to alienate there may be new folks coming to our church that carry a different set I'm not trying to alienate you from the commonwealth of this fellowship but I have seen the countenances of my church family fall and I've seen my own countenance fall and God I want to see it raised up I want to see it raised up I want to see us live life for the glory of almighty God so today I bless the people I bless the people today I'm going to have to move on, church family. I can't preach about political issues every day, every Sunday. I've got to preach Christ and Him crucified and raised from the dead. And the Bible says that it's to be testified in due time. I've got to turn my affection. I, I can't let every Sunday be a continuation of the events that have unfolded in America. God, I have to preach that which is stable. The culture of America is unstable. But the Word, the Word will always be ever-present. And so, God, I pray, Lord, in the days and the weeks ahead, help each one of us to press through our struggles, our shortcomings, our frustrations, until we're able to still get up and live our lives for the glory of God. Praying that we might live a quiet... Who's praying that prayer with me right now? God, I pray. God, the inauguration that's going to take place on Wednesday of this week I pray for all those that are in authority. That's what your word says. I don't agree with many of their convictions, especially uh, pro-choice, things of that nature. God, I don't agree at all. But God, when Paul wrote that, I know that, Father God, the Caesars, uh, God, were, were immoral men, but he still challenged the church to pray for them. 
I pray today, God, for those that are in authority that we can live a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness. That's my prayer today, God. I bless my church family. Now, church family, I'm about to get down out of your way. I'm going to come back down to my faithful place of prayer, of worship, and the worship team's going to sing. And I want to ask you to sing in the words of John Wesley, sing lustily today. Sing with all your heart today a song of praise. Don't let the devil steal your joy. Don't let the devil have your countenance. Don't let the enemy have your perspective. But let God change your perspective. You go out and live your purpose for the glory of Almighty God. Be who God's called you to be. Be a light. Hold forth the word of life in Jesus' name. I bless the people, God, with the favor, the grace, and the goodness of God in Jesus' name.